We're setting out on our journey with our children in tow. And as we walk the winding countryside of classical education, we make our way to the beautiful region of Masonland. It's a picturesque place. There is stirring music coming from somewhere, and people reading old books on picnic blankets, and the smell of tea and baked goods floats through the air. Some children are painting birds, and some are stuck in a tree, and others are doing something called solfege? Are the people here speaking a different language? Could we get a translator, please? Welcome to the Ordinary Matters Podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring mothers to see the ordinary matters of motherhood as the place to cultivate a life of love, wonder, and knowledge of the King. We're your hosts, Brittany and Melanie. Where to begin with such a noble endeavor? Inspired by Charlotte Mason, we found that we need to start with our own habits, our own wills, our own picture of the atmosphere we want to create in our home. This path towards goodness, however, it is not for the faint of heart, but cultivating an atmosphere, a discipline, and a life of richness is worth every step, and we believe that every mother can make the journey. So let's set out together, friend, because this way of living, it makes the ordinary moments matter. Often, when we first meet Charlotte Mason, we are drawn to these terms, which can sound a bit foreign. Anytime you enter a new way of living, there's often a whole host of language barriers that need broken down. Consider us your translators today. We've had lots of practice. We actually grew up overseas, often acting as translators for our own parents. But that's another story for another time. Just to make things a little easier as we move through the terms, we're going to use Miss Mason's three tools of education as our guide. Atmosphere, discipline, and living ideas. Our atmosphere is not just the way our home looks, more on that in a few weeks, but also how we apply philosophy in our home. Specifically, are we using Miss Mason's philosophy as a method or a system? Have you heard anyone use that phrase yet? It's a method, not a system? Miss Mason called her endeavors a method and strongly warned that in the hands of an untrained practitioner, a method can become a system. A system is useful for a lot of things, and mother teachers tend to gravitate toward them because they feel predictable. Think of a system as a rigorous schedule or an education laid out in an exact procedure. Students will do this, it will lead to that, then they will know the things that they are required to know. The problem with a system is it is really only useful when we are dealing with mechanical things, not self-acting, self-developing human beings made in the image of God. We are dealing with personality, soul, and character and because a system is mechanical in its nature, we will find that it does not produce virtuous character or a healthy soul. Instead, it only produces mechanical action. A method is different and important because it is living. A method has two implications. First, there is an aim in view. 
and second, a way of progress toward that aim. It tells of an idea and asks, what does an educated person look like? Then, as mothers, we work toward that image of an educated person. The principles give us guidance and help us stay on the right path. Our guiding principles come from God's word and the natural laws of education. The problem is we want a system. A system feels more comfortable, but instead we must trust that God's boundaries fall in pleasant places and the principles of education help us use those boundaries as mother teachers. The principles, though they are few, cover much ground and help us become wise and responsive mothers. Methods require us to have a thoughtful love for our children and be in communion with the Holy Spirit so that we can be good stewards of the young lives we are nurturing. Another word you'll hear a lot, especially if you're binge searching curricula, is forms. Forms are basically the British version of our grades, and it's a way of grouping children of like ages and development. They have around four to five forms, each with around three years. These are split up differently by different curricula, and some do not even use forms. Charlotte Mason wrote mostly to mothers, but her curriculum was used by schools in the United Kingdom. Her programs were written both for homeschool moms and schools. It might not seem like we need to consider forms, but they can be helpful in the homeschool room, especially when a mom is considering combining students in larger families. The curriculum we use keeps forms in place. And I found it very helpful with my older children. Let's talk about mother culture, a phrase that I think has made its way out of Masonland. But mother culture is how a mother nourishes her own soul. It's searching for inspiring ideas to fuel your mind and imagination and seeking wisdom from God and from literature. It can be taking 20 minutes outside or reading to grow in knowledge or using your thinking love to help a certain child with something. It's vital to having a peaceful home atmosphere. Miss Mason says, if mothers could learn to do for themselves what they do for their children, we would have happier households. Mother culture is not a phrase that Miss Mason used herself, but is found in some PR articles. The last one we want to mention in the atmosphere section is masterly inactivity. A lot could be said about masterly inactivity. I feel like we could spend a whole episode on this one. Don't worry, we will. For now, we'll give a brief description. Charlotte Mason brings up masterly inactivity in many places in her volumes, but in school education, she really fleshes out her ideas. She describes masterly inactivity as a mother's wise letting alone of her children. There are important things to note. This is not a laissez-faire attitude of let them run amok and do as they please. And it is also not a resigned mother saying, fine, do whatever you want. Masterly and wise are the keys here. A mother who uses masterly inactivity can do so because her children sense her authority. They sense that she is under God's authority, and therefore they cannot do as they please, but must submit to the boundaries that fall in pleasant places, just as she does. Masterly inactivity gives our children the power to learn, choose, and relate to the world in a way that will teach them far more 
than lecturing ever could. We're going to head away from atmosphere into the language of discipline. Miss Mason also referred to this as the discipline of habits. So let's talk about habit training. Habits are one of the tools that Miss Mason says a parent has to teach their children with. She uses the example of habits being like the tracks of a train to help it go in the correct direction. She says, consider how laborious life would be were its wheels not greased by habits of cleanliness, neatness, order, courtesy. Had we to make the effort of decision about every detail of dressing and eating, coming and going, life would not be worth living. The habits of the religious life also become fixed and delightful and give us due support in the effort to live a godly, righteous, and sober life. Even 150 years ago, she was talking about decision fatigue. She knew how delightful and stress-free life can be if you have habits in place to relieve the effort needed to make decisions. Habit training helps us thoughtfully build habits with our children that will bless them through their whole lives. All right, Kinderleben. Kinderleben is the idea that a child, kinder, is a life, leben, and you are letting the child see how to live in the early years of life. There is no prescribed treatment or system because each child is a different person. There are ideas that can be brought before the child, but the main thing is to be with the child. It's a bit different than a traditional kindergarten in that it is considered a quiet growing time for the child to delight with them in living ideas, connections with nature, useful work, and imaginative play. Kinderleben is a time where mothers can establish good habits and help their children make connections with the beautiful world around them. Let's talk about timetables. Timetables are guides for helping schoolrooms schedule their lessons. It is a way of laying out all of your time throughout the day to have a purpose. It's basically a way of organizing to fit everything in and visualize it. It really helps if you're feeling overwhelmed about where you're going to find time to fit all of these things into your day. But it is also a tool to help us practice our principles. When it is treated like a checklist, which is my tendency, we leave behind the personhood of our children. They are meant to be a guide to help a mother manage her time well and illustrate the principles of a Charlotte Mason homeschool. Short, varied lessons, living books, and engaging with things. And finally, we come to the final tool and category of our Charlotte Mason to English dictionary, living ideas. Living ideas are often found in books, and Charlotte Mason said a thing or two about books, specifically twaddle. Which is something that we are to avoid when using Miss Mason's philosophy. My husband says I use the word twaddle too often. But the Merriam-Webster dictionary defines it as trivial, foolish, or nonsense. Miss Mason describes it as having a single grain of pure knowledge in a whole gallon of talk, or speaking down to a child, or predictable books, or things made easy for the child. It is the unnecessary filling of time with things that do not help the child or respect the child as a person. Unfortunately, with the mass production of books, there is a lot of twaddle. 
But there are also toys that are twaddle, TV shows that are twaddle, and so on. We need to consider the things and ideas our children are surrounded by, and we need to consider the quality of those things and ideas. Which brings us to living books. Living books are those books that have stood the test of time because they inspire people to love the right things in the right way. They have great, noble, worthy ideas that are presented in the right form, a literary form. Charlotte Mason said, Children must have books, living books. The best are not too good for them. Anything less than the best is not good enough. We read these books to children because their minds are capable and eager to make the connections with living ideas in them. A big difference between a twaddle book and a living book, and probably why most parents enjoy reading living books more, is that there is more for all of us to chew on intellectually. We have more to think about, and the ideas we've heard together often lead to discussion or play together because we can actually act upon these ideas. While we're talking about reading, we'll mention recitation. Recitation often seems like memorization of really long passages of scripture, poetry, or Shakespeare. And while memorization is often the result of recitations, it is not their purpose. Recitation and committing to memory are not necessarily the same thing, and it is well to store a child's memory with a good deal of poetry, learnt without labor. As children learn to read, they often lose their natural gift of expression and delightful speaking. A Parents Review article about recitation says, Children know how to read, but they cannot read. Learning passages for recitation is meant to counteract some of the monotone reading we often hear when children are faced when reading aloud. Recitations are scheduled on Charlotte Mason's timetables, but passages being learned were meant to be repeated to the child throughout the day at odd and unexpected times, perhaps while brushing their hair or helping them tie their shoes. She said that the gains of such a method are that the edge of the child's enjoyment is not taken off by weariful verse-by-verse repetitions and also that the habit of making mental images is unconsciously formed. Moving on to the 20 principles. Miss Mason first began speaking on education through a series of lectures, which were later published as a book. Many books followed, and she saw the need to distill the ideas of her six volumes into a succinct theory of education. The 20 principles were created, and they are now at the beginning of each of her volumes, as a sort of thesis of her writing and philosophy. They were published in home education as 18 principles, but she added two more by the time Towards the Philosophy of Education was published. In addition to the 20 principles and her books, Charlotte Mason did a lot of other writing, speaking, and editing, and PR articles, the PUS and the PNEU, are often referenced in the Charlotte Mason world, and these phrases seem to be used interchangeably. The PNEU was the Parents' National Education Union and was founded by Charlotte Mason herself in the 1880s to train and support mothers, teachers, and governesses in the implementing of her methods. Eventually, there was a name change to the Parents' Union Schools. Mason also acted as editor of the Parents' Review, which was a monthly magazine of home training and culture. 
which was sent out to members of the Union. Narration is how knowledge is made personal and is how the child connects what they've learned to what they already know. It is the telling back of what one has learned. It can be done orally, in writing, in a drawing, or acted out in some way, shape, or form. Narration culminates in a Scott or a Homer and begins with the toddling persons of two and three who talk a great deal to each other and are surely engaged in telling, though no grown-up, not even a mother, can understand. But children of six can tell to amazing purpose. The grown-up who writes the tales of their telling will cover many pages before getting to the end of Hans and Gretel, or a Bible story. This habit of telling back helps the child make knowledge personal. Narrations are not meant to be critiqued or corrected by the mother, and she must practice the art of holding her tongue while her child gives their narration. Handicrafts seem to be a well-known Charlotte Mason thing. It was actually a huge draw for me when I was beginning to learn about the method. I've always enjoyed a great many handicraft-style hobbies, and I have since I was a little girl. I have actually described myself as a collector of hobbies. I think many mothers hear handicraft, and we picture a lot of the Pinteresty, crafty things that make a big mess, take over the kitchen table, and when we're done, we're asking, why did we make this? What are we even going to do with this? But Charlotte Mason had a pretty clear purpose for handicrafts. She did not permit futilities like pea and stick work. Handicrafts have a purpose, function, and hopefully beauty. Additionally, she stipulated that handicrafts must be taught slowly and carefully, and slipshod work should not be allowed. She also cautioned that the work should be within the child's ability. Some things we've enjoyed in our house have been knitting forks for making crowns and necklaces for princess and the ever-necessary belts to hold wooden swords for our princes, sewing doll blankets, stick carving, paper doll making, and felting. Finally, we want to mention exams. Honestly, exams don't sound like something that quite fits in with the idea of a Charlotte Mason education. But Charlotte Mason's exams don't exactly fit our picture of exams. There are no multiple choice questions, no strictly enforced number two pencils, and no mother teacher pacing the rows to make sure that all eyes stay on their own papers. Instead, these exams were sent to mothers to help them naturally assess what knowledge the child had connected with over the term and assess any subjects perhaps that were being missed or done inconsistently. It can be a time of delight where the child can show what they've learned. Some exams are done with the father, for instance, folk dancing and recitations. Charlotte Mason said, from the beginning, examinations have been an important part of our work, not with the intention of criticizing or grading, but as a means of encouraging and helping both teacher and taught. Generally, Two or three questions are asked in each subject, and they are quite similar to prompts for narration. Exam weeks can be scheduled largely as a regular school week, and it's fun to plan a special celebration for the end of it. And that's it. The full dictionary of Charlotte Mason words. Wait. We didn't even do solfege. Or composer study. Or nature study. Or Swedish drill. We could honestly probably do a whole second volume. Mm -hmm. But 
what we want to focus on is making this method practical for daily living. Those ordinary moments in your life, those are the places you can apply the Charlotte Mason method. You don't need to know all the terminology and phrases you see all over Instagram. What you need is principles. Principles that can change the rhythms and atmosphere of your ordinary home with your family. Once you understand the principles, the practices grow clearer in those ordinary moments with your children. So let's start there, with the children who are born persons. But what else would they be born as? Next time, we'll dive into this first principle of Miss Mason's and see just how quickly we forget this little truth that seems so simple. But understanding this first principle can unlock a whole new world. We'll see you in two weeks. Thanks so much for listening to the Ordinary Matters podcast. Check out the show notes where you'll find the quotes we read during the episode and links to any resources we mentioned. You'll also find a link to our Patreon page. We'd love to have you join us there, and it will cost less than a cup of coffee. There, we are sharing books we love, guides to help along on this journey, episode Q&As, and other ordinary matters. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so please leave us a review. Miss Mason said it best herself when it came to this philosophy. We haven't come just to learn to teach. We came to learn how to live. I hope you'll join us back here in two weeks. And until then, may you enjoy the richness of truth, beauty, and goodness cultivated in the ordinary matters of your home.